Hi everyone and welcome to this, the first of the Skylark Sundays online. It's Mother's Day. What a strange place to be celebrating Mother's Day. What a strange way to do it. But I just want to pause and honour all of the ladies in the life of the church. Thank you for who you are, for what you bring, for how you teach us, how you lead us, how you show us Jesus. Thank you for who you are and we honour you today as a church. In a moment, I'm going to be introducing our first speaker for our talk today. But before I do that, I just want to let you know that at the end of the talk, I'm coming back. And that is to tell you some of the amazing testimonies that we have had over just this last week. Although we're at a time of squeezing and a time of change and uncertainty, God is doing amazing things. And I want to share some of those things with you. I'll do that at the end. But before then, let me introduce our speaker today. It's my incredible wife, Nikki, my co-leader, my best friend, this amazing lady who teaches us what it means to love Jesus with all that we've got and to love others the same. So I'll hand over to Nikki. Good morning, Skylark family. I'm so excited to be bringing the first of these Sunday online messages to you in the comfort of my own home. And I know that you will be listening to this in the comfort of yours. So although I miss seeing your faces, isn't it wonderful that we can stay connected in this way? Thankful for technology. My message today is entitled New World, New Wineskin. And one of the people that I associate most in the world with wine is my dad. As many of you know, he sadly passed away a couple of years ago, but he had lots of passions in life. Sports was among them. France was among them. He was a real Francophile. He lived in France for the last 15 years of his life. And wine, which I guess is intrinsically linked to France, was also another of his great passions. He used to enjoy researching wine. He used to enjoy tasting wine and trying new wines. And he knew all about the different grapes and the different elements of wine tasting. He was a real wine buff. I remember when I was younger, we used to spend childhood holidays in France and my brother and I used to get so bored as my dad would tour vineyards and we would be hiding behind big oak barrels playing crazy games, waiting for him to finish and purchase some wine. But one of the things that was the most embarrassing about my dad is going to a restaurant with him. If you went to a particularly special restaurant, you know the kind where you might order a bottle of wine off the wine list and they would bring it to you to try, it would just be one of the worst moments ever. And I'm going to help you imagine this today. So a normal person, a normal person in a restaurant, if they ordered a bottle of wine and the waiter brought it and poured it out and invited somebody at the table to try it, this is what they would do. A normal person, knowing that the waiter is waiting, would pick up their wine like this and just simply go, yeah, thanks, that's great. Right, that's what we do, we're British. I would just like to demonstrate to you today the trauma of my childhood for a moment. Just imagine with me, if you will, being younger, sitting around a table with your parents and watching your father do this. Waiter would come, pour out the wine, Here's my dad. First of all, this is what he would do. He would hold the wine up to the light while my brother and I are totally cringing. He would examine the colour and he would really take his time. Awkward pause from the waiter. He would then swill it around, 
like this, examining the legs. Apparently that's a technical term which shows you the viscosity of the wine. Take a good look. By now, we're beginning to look downwards and shift uncomfortably in our chairs. Next, my dad would do a proper swill round his glass. This could end really badly. Like this, and he would stick his nose into the wine. And he would breathe deeply and he would close his eyes. And he would nod. And finally, as if this torture and agony was not enough, this is what he would do, no word of a lie. He would lean forward. He would do that funny, like warbly sound, which apparently is aerating the wine so that you can taste it better. But to us, it was just the most embarrassing thing in the whole world. And he would do all of that, take all that time, finally just turn to the waiter and say, thank you. We were mortified. In fact, we spent most of the time just wishing that moment entirely away, as you can imagine. One of the things that we did before we got married is go on a wine fact-finding trip with my dad. He wanted to source all of the wines himself for our wedding. Um, obviously living in France, it was a good opportunity to do that for him. And it was a very um, selfless contribution to our wedding, of course. Um, so we went along with him on one of the trips for his fact-finding to a cellar in Burgundy. Burgundy is a region in France that produces particularly nice red wines. And as we did this, we obviously tasted a whole bunch of different wines. We tasted some younger wines, we tasted some older wines. And then as we were looking through the cellar, we saw this vaulted area. There were big iron gates locking away a whole load of wines. And we were told that these wines had been laid down for over 50 years and that they would be auctioned for thousands of pounds. They were worth so much money. And it's just got me thinking, as we think about wineskins and as we think about wine, the general consensus when it comes to wine is that the new stuff isn't good. It's the old that is valued, it's the old that is better. And I think that's just so how we can be in church often. Um, that we value the things that we have, the way that it's always been done. And people are not necessarily looking out for the newer stuff. That's, that seems unpalatable to us. And I'm sure this is true for every generation, actually. Just the older we get, probably the more we value what used to be rather than the new stuff that's heading our way. Well, right now we find ourselves in an entirely brave new world. We find ourselves um, surrounded by change. And I want to, against that backdrop, read some verses from Luke 5. I'm going to begin at verse 36. I'm going to read through to verse 39. It's a parable that Jesus is telling. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. 
You know, at a time like this, I think what God wants to impress upon us as people of God is that you can't shoehorn the newness of God into an old wineskin. Something new is happening in our midst. We have woken up to an entirely new world. It's unimaginable what has taken place in the last few days. In the middle of the madness of coronavirus, social distancing, self-isolation, planes grounded, borders closed all across the world. God is doing a new thing. I know that it currently might feel like the end of life as we know it, and in one sense it really is, but the bigger kingdom picture is that this is the kickstart of something new. God is doing a new thing. A new world is emerging around us, and this is a pivot point right now in history. This moment in time, it's a game changer. And as things around us are shifting at an incredible rate in a way that no one could have predicted, by the look of things, it's only going to continue to change. For us as church, there is an opportunity to be among those who become a brave new church ready to face a brave new world. The wonderful Bev Murrell, who is the founder of our network and um, an author, is in the process of writing a new book called Brave New Church because she has foreseen this for some time, that actually things are changing in our world and in order to embrace the changes around us, the wineskin, the way that we've previously done things, the things that look like the old stuff that's familiar to us and that we all know and love, those have got to morph to embrace what's around us. And I don't think that's ever become more evident or more obvious than it is today. But like the men of Issachar in the books of Chronicles, there's an opportunity for us as followers of God to be among those who understand the times we're living in like never before. And amidst all the chaos, all the change and all the challenge, to understand that God is doing something new. And he wants to create in us a new wineskin that is ready to accommodate the new thing that he is doing. So what does that look like? How, how do we do that? How do we become a new wineskin ready to carry the new thing that God is doing? Well, I think that how we answer a few key questions and how we make a few key choices that are facing us today will be pivotal in the answers to those questions. So first question, do we see this as an interruption or an invitation? You see, on one level, it definitely is an interruption to business as usual. It's definitely an interruption to normal service. The fact that we are gathering digitally today is a real change to how we normally do things. And I've heard so many preachers, pastors, prophets this last week saying coronavirus is some kind of distraction. It's a disruption to the things that God is doing. But although I understand where they're coming from, I actually think that if you scratch a little deeper beyond the surface, this isn't purely an interruption. It's actually an invitation from heaven to those of us who love Jesus and are following him into this new world that we see before us, into a world where we re-engage with the things that really matter, where we stop being busy with programs and events and conferences, and we actually come back 
to the two greatest commandments, loving God and loving people. Stu Alloway, our community pastor, put an update into our staff WhatsApp just today, saying that he was reminded of a phrase from the musical Les Mis, which is to love another person is to see the face of God. And we have heard so many stories this week of things that you guys, our church, are doing to be the church and to love others. And in doing so, you're enabling other people to see the face of God through your love in action. Isn't that exciting? Heaven is inviting us to stop relying on our own comfortable world, to stop being complacent with the things that we have, to listen and to adapt to the new world that we find ourselves in. This is a beautiful invitation for each of us to stop going to church and start being the church like never before. I know we know this, and actually we've been doing this and preparing for this for some time, but this has precipitated us to understand this on a whole new level. There's an invitation waiting for those of us who are willing to embrace it. Secondly, will we choose replication or reinvention? You see, the danger is that in a crisis time like this, we try to hang on to everything that we had in the last season, to replicate it, to transpose it somehow into this new world that we find ourselves in. But I guess what this parable from Jesus is really saying is that we can't transpose the, the new into the old. Jesus says, the patch from the new garment will not match the old. In other words, what was great for then is just not going to work now. Let's think about it. For those of us who are now working from home, who maybe used to work in an office environment or in another environment, to actually try and recreate the same working environment from home, possibly joined by our children who are no longer at school, it's just not going to work. We've got to find a new rhythm, a new normal. The word reinvention is to invent again, to make something new, to remake or to take a different form. And I think that that's really what this time that we find ourselves in is all about. Those who actually try to reinvent what they always, sorry, to recreate or to replicate what they always had, they're gonna find that they're increasingly obsolete for the world around them. But for those who will listen, and actually use this as an opportunity to create something new, to reinvent, to imagine again what life looks like, what church looks like, what being a follower of Jesus looks like. Those are gonna be the people who are able to reach this whole new world that we find ourselves in. You know, just a simple example of that is that we've had to think about doing this differently. And the danger when we first started imagining Sunday Online was thinking about okay, well, we obviously need to start with corporate worship and then we'll have a time of prayer and then we'll think about how we do the notices. And we started to think about how we could try and recreate the Sunday gathering we've always had for you online. But God actually warned us against that and it just didn't sit right. You know, corporate worship is never, ever going to sound how it does when you know, hundreds of us are gathered in the building. We just can't recreate that in the same way, but we're not supposed to. So instead we've done things differently and 
we're going to experiment with some ways to actually equip you to worship at home. We've put a, 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 a Skylark worship YouTube list and Spotify list together for you to be able to worship to, in your families at home or individually at home in a way that maybe we haven't before. I hope we have been, but I guess this is a new way to experiment with new, new ways of doing that. And each day we've been releasing daily Skylark sound bites, doses of hope and encouragement. And so far we've reached around 3000 people in three days, many of whom would probably never have come to our Sunday gathering, but who have been hugely touched by this voice of hope and inspiration amidst all the fear, uncertainty and hardship that's surrounding us. There have been some incredible testimonies from individuals. I've been stopped by mums at the school gate who have said, please don't stop putting those sound bites out. They have really touched me and they've really made a difference to my day. How incredible. We can reinvent in this time that we find ourselves in. Actually, wherever we find ourselves, we're called to live as 24 seven worshippers. And this is our opportunity. Instead of replicating what was, to reinvent church as we know it and be the church in a way like never before beyond the four walls. Thirdly, the question is, will we stretch or will we stay the same? You see, to accommodate new wine, there's a stretching required. Jesus makes this really clear in his parable. He says that the old wineskin just can't contain the new wine. It will burst. And that's because as wine ferments, it releases gases and new wineskins were really stretchy and pliable. Old wineskins were rigid and hard and so would burst. Stretching is uncomfortable. Stretching is not safe. Stretching is hard. But the key question here for each of us is that everything, as everything is changing around us, are we are we changing? Are we stretching? Are we changing shape to be ready for the new world around us? We should be. It's time for us to stop being rigid and inflexible. That's how churches decline and die. And we talked about this only a few weeks ago in church. It's time to venture into the unknown, into new spaces, into new places, to leave our comfort zone, to stretch our minds and our thinking, and to change our methods to reach this new world we've entered into. One of the things that I think is really important here is what's untouchable. What do we consider to be untouchable? You see, in that cellar that we visited in Burgundy with my dad on our wine fact-finding mission, there were all of these old bottles locked away. They were untouchable because they were considered to be so, so valuable. Now, there are many things from our heritage that are hugely valuable. There's no doubt about that. But actually, our mission is the only thing that should remain untouchable. We are called to love God with all our heart, strength and mind and to love our neighbour as ourselves. And we are called to make disciples. But beyond that, the methods, the methods that we've used, they should be up for grabs. Unfortunately, the truth is that we like to enshrine the methods 
We like to enshrine the way that we've always done it. And change only happens very slowly and incrementally to us as corporate church in the way that we gather because we just can't cope with changing those things. We like what we know and we know what we like. But actually, we've been plummeted into this world where those old methods just can't reach the new world. And so now the question is, will we stay put or will we actually allow ourselves to stretch, to encompass and to reach out to the people around us? We also have an opportunity to consider whether we will lead the way or look behind us. And I think that the reason that people and churches tend to hang on to the old wineskins for so long is because we still want to drink the old wine and we love the familiar, as I've just said. We find it hard, all of us, honestly, to step out of our comfort zones. And that's not just true for the church, it's true for every human being. We like routine, we like what's comfortable, we like what we know. But here we are, well outside of our comfort zone, with no option to head back to it anytime soon. And you know what, church, I want to tell you, we're not just ready for this, but God has given us everything we need to lead the way into the uncertainty that lies before us, to carve out a path for others to follow, to be the trailblazers and the pioneers, the thought leaders and the innovators, those of you who are on the front line in public services, in the medical sector, in the retail sector, we are so proud of you and we are cheering you on as you lead the way into this new future that lies ahead. It takes great courage and it takes great faith to be those who will lead the way. The temptation is to look over our shoulder, to look behind us and to dwell on the old. And that's why everyone prefers the old wine. It just tastes better. However, if we don't embrace the new thing that God is doing, amidst all of this stuff that is changing in our world, then our generation and the one that's to come won't benefit from the wine that God wants to pour out now, because the church will still be serving them up some obsolete vintage that's maybe corked and past its prime. Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19 say this, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, Behold, that means look up, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Don't remember the former things. It basically means forget what's gone before. Behold, look up, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at the new thing and don't look back. It's going to be easy for us in the weeks, maybe months to come, to wish ourselves back in the way things were. But you see, there's a new normal that God is creating at this time. And even when we emerge on the other side of this, God is not going to take us back fully to the way things were. He's changing us. I believe he's changing us irrevoc irrevocably, but it takes trust, it takes faith, it takes us following Jesus forward step by step into this unknown space. Let's lead the way in loving our community better than anyone else. We know you are and Pete's going to share 
some amazing updates in just a moment about how we're doing that. It's so encouraging. There are testimonies flooding in everywhere of you guys being the church like never before. Let's be the voice on social media that brings light into the darkness and let's host his presence wherever we are. We may not be able to hear each other singing, but we are Skylarks and our song matters. And as we host his presence, we are bringing the abundance of heaven into the lack and the scarcity that we see around us. Will we survive or will we thrive? I keep hearing people say when things get back to normal. And I've already alluded to the fact that I think that this is a new norm. The one thing that is clear to me is that as we look back over history or across the world in much more recent times, we can be of no doubt that where there is adversity, where there's hardship, where there's pressure and even persecution, those are the places where the church, the followers of Jesus Christ are thriving the most. And although it may not sound encouraging, we truly can take encouragement from this. We were designed to flourish in uncomfortable and difficult places. We were made to be on the faith waters with no plan B. We were made for a daily walk of reliance and dependency on God, for finance, for strength, for wisdom, for provision. But more than that, we were destined to shine and show others how to find peace and joy at times like these. So church, I guess what I'm here to say is I'm not sure things will ever return to the normal that we understood before. I believe that we are being changed in this process and that when the time comes, when we're free and able to gather together again and oh, it's going to be sweet, the lessons that we've learned, the lives that we've impacted, the new methods that we've learned to continue to be about our mission and the incredible stories of courage, hope and faith that we will have lived out and that we will have shared collectively will change the face of the church for our generation well beyond the coronavirus crisis. So as we navigate this new world before us, may we be among those who are willing to allow God to create a new wineskin within us so that we're ready for the new wine that he is pouring out. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this incredible church and for all those who are listening today online. I thank you, God, for their courage. I thank you for their strength. I thank you that no matter what faces us, we can be confident that you are at work in this time like never before. And that we as a people of God have the opportunity to be your hands and your feet, to show your face to the world around us. I pray God that we would embrace the changes that are before us and that where we may feel afraid or where we may feel uncertain, today you would pour out your presence over us, that your glory would be within us and that we would release and carry your presence to a world in need. May we never hang on to the old so much and the familiar so much that we can't embrace the new thing you're doing. I thank you, God, that I am hearing stories of our wonderful church family and the wider family of God at this time. And I am so encouraged to see 
that we are truly rising and shining like never before. And I pray a blessing over each and every one of you today. May you know God's peace. May you know his protection. But more than anything, may you know his stretching and his changing, his transformation deep inside of you to be ready and equipped for every challenge that you see ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Love you guys. Hello again, it's me, as promised, to bring you some updates and some testimonies. You know, there's so much going on in and around the life of the church, even, even though we can't gather together. So it's very exciting. Let me start, though, by honouring our staff team, a wonderful group of people to work with. And they have had to do a lot of adapting as we have changed their job roles. And most of them are working from home. And you will have seen loads of resources coming up online. You will have hopefully felt like you're being connected. You're being loved. They are blessing the community. They're doing a fantastic job. And I just wanted to publicly honour them now. You as the church family have been doing amazing things too. We have heard testimonies about how you are connecting and supporting your neighbourhoods like never before. There are WhatsApp groups springing up all over the place. There are support groups happening. There are people just showing the kindness and the love of God to people around them. It's amazing to see, isn't it? Let's hope that it continues way beyond this virus. Life groups have shifted to online and the feedback we've heard has been brilliant from people really still feeling connected and part of their life groups. Do try to find a place to connect and feel like you are part of something bigger than yourself and just your own home. When Nikki and I were walking back from the high street a few days ago, one of the members of the church family was hanging out of their window having a chat with us and they told us how they have joined the local food bank so that they can show kindness and love to people at this time. What could you do? You know, a couple of days ago, the restaurants got closed. Well, the local Brazilian restaurant had loads and loads of meat left over and we got contacted and the meat was given to us as a church and we were able to distribute it to families in need, which is fantastic, isn't it? I mentioned in my soundbite earlier in the week that Leslie and Al wanted to put together care packages to hand out to the slightly more elderly and vulnerable in our church and also in the residential home that we visit regularly. When they went to the shop to buy the produce, including the toilet rolls, tea bags, biscuits, that kind of thing, the shop loved what we were doing and said that they would provide everything for free. Isn't that amazing? The local community and the church working hand in hand. The sound bites that we've been putting out daily have had many, many people viewing them. And that's people inside the church and outside the, of the church. People are listening in and being encouraged by what we're doing as a church. How could you encourage people in your community? I want to just say thank you to Lindsay. You will have seen that Lindsay as kids pastor has been putting up tips and resources for parents to use. And how much more so are we going to need them in the coming weeks? We're going to be doing this with a one-year-old and a five-year-old at home. I know we're going to find a way, but using some of the resources that Lindsay has put up is going to help us. So thank you, Linz. As a church, just finally, I want to say that we are exploring creative ways that will help us to join together in prayer and help us to join together in worship. So do keep your eyes open. We will keep you posted as to how that's going. Could you please send to the church office any testimonies that you have of love in action, of how this virus that is against us is actually causing things of beauty to rise up. Take care and we'll see you really soon.
バイ。